in this series, um, we've been talking about how, because of Jesus, um, we can overcome anything the world throws at us. And today we're going to talk about, like what that, that video talked about, we're going to talk about being um, overwhelmed. Really, this whole idea of being crushed and, and overwhelmed. And, and, and all of us 20 years ago, um, we understand, all of us who were alive 20 years ago, we, we know what this day um, felt like for, for every single one of us. And we, we, we know that, that feeling of just uncertainty, um, of not knowing what's going to happen next, um, of being absolutely crushed. And so let me set the message up today like this. Um, years ago, um, I was on a church softball team. This was, this was BC before Carroll. Um, we uh we played in a church league and uh and and my team won the like league title. We played against other churches um, on Sunday afternoons and we were like the dominant church. I don't think we lost a game the entire season. Um, and so because we were champs, we felt like we were so good. Um, we were going to enter the Tuesday night beer league in Indianapolis. Like th- this would be the first time that we had ever played against non-church teams. But it was going to be okay. Because we were Christians, and we were going to be this holy example, and we weren't going to drink, and, and, and we were really, 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 really good, and we thought that, that people would come to know Jesus because of us. Like, they would see us not drinking, and they would see us just still having a good time, and we could be these great examples, and people would legit know Jesus because of our actions. And so we got ready for our first game. Um, we got brand new uniforms. We had practice. We're coming off this great summer season. We prepared. We prayed before we went out. We prayed that God would let us win. It it didn't even occur to us that maybe the other team prayed that maybe God would let them win too. And so both teams are praying for the same thing. And God has to say yes to one and no to the other. Um, And so anyway, we went out and we got annihilated. We lost 25 to 2. Like the the two runs were like mercy rule runs or something. I remember being at second base and watching ball after ball after ball after ball just fly over the fence. In the first inning, this team had scored 15 runs against us. And you could officially say at that point, we were crushed and overwhelmed. The rest of the season was pretty much the same. We did win a couple of games, um, but we were so out of our league, so to speak. And it was mind-blowing because we were like, well, we don't understand. Like, we've prayed, we've prepared, we're Christians, we're trying to set a holy example, we love Jesus, and we got hammered, 25 to 2, it didn't make any sense. But as I thought back through that illustration this week, I thought about the fact that that's the way a lot of people in this world feel. Like, if, if you were to boil down how many of us feel on a daily basis, one or both of these words could accurately describe all of us, crushed and overwhelmed. And we've seen this, not just in the church world, but in the world as a whole. People we would never imagine in a million years having issues being crushed and overwhelmed. I saw a tribute this week to Robin Williams. How many of you remember Robin Williams? One of the funniest guys ever. Remember back in 2014 when we found out that he took his own life? It was absolutely mind-blowing. I watched that dude on Mork and Mindy. Remember that? How many, how many like, know Mork and Mindy? How many of you don't know Mork and Mindy? I'm not sure if you should go back and watch it or not. It might be, I don't, I don't know if it was any good or not. Um, back, but back when he only had three TV stations, it was pretty good. Um, but one of the most hilarious actors ever, a guy who seemed to be, like when you saw him, he looked like the happiest guy on the planet, takes his own life. Now, why would a person do that? It's very, very simple. They get crushed and overwhelmed 
Think about how every year we, we see stories of celebrities taking their own lives. And when we see that, everybody's shocked because we look at those people and, and, and we think they've got it all together. We look at all that they've accomplished and we go, how, how, why would they do that? Like They don't struggle with anything. But the reason somebody does that is because they ultimately feel crushed and overwhelmed. And I'd be willing to bet there are people in this room, people in our church, that on the outside, you've got everything together. Or at least you appear to have everything together. But on the inside, you're crying. and You're dying a little bit more every single day. Now, typically the church has been a very unsafe environment to admit that we're crushed and overwhelmed. In fact, the church has basically had two responses over the years to people who feel crushed and overwhelmed. Number one, I'll address this um, because, I, because I, I talked about the Robin Williams thing. Number one, the church says if you commit suicide, you go to hell. That's what the church has traditionally said. How many of you have heard that before? All right. I want to take a second and say this. That is not true. It is not. There is not one ounce of scripture and evidence, or evidence in scripture um, that proves that. Now listen, 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 listen. I'm not encouraging suicide. If you're having suicidal thoughts, um, I, I believe that God has you on this planet for a purpose. You're created on purpose with a purpose and for a purpose. And there's still breath in you. Um, he, he, he has you here for that. Um, but, but if somebody, if, if you have those, those types of thoughts, I would encourage you, please, 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 beg you, talk to somebody about that today. But if you know somebody in the past, um, that has committed suicide, and you've been told by the church that they went to hell, that church lied to you. You go to hell because you don't know Jesus, period. Like, that's it. It has everything to do with Jesus. Because here's the deal. People who know Jesus really do get crushed and overwhelmed. But that's one of the things that the church has traditionally told people. Second thing that the church tells people is, oh, you're crushed and overwhelmed? You need to do more. You need to try harder. So just read your Bible more, pray more, journal more. You need to listen to more Christian music. Do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And you know what do more leads to? Feeling more crushed and overwhelmed, right? And so today I want to talk about how do we overcome that. And in order to do that, I want to look at something that happened to the Apostle Paul. Now, when it comes to knowing God, being righteous, being holy, being a good person, all of us get rolled up and smoked by the Apostle Paul. Like, the Apostle Paul was the man. He wrote a big part of the New Testament. If you buy into the fact that he wrote Hebrews, then he wrote most of the New Testament. I don't, I don't hold that, that, that candle. I know you guys are getting ready to study Hebrews or started. So if that guy said, um, anyway, soapbox, get off it. Paul, Paul saw Jesus face to face. I've heard people say, if I could see Jesus face to face, I think I would be okay. Paul saw Jesus face to face, and he wasn't okay. He, he, he wasn't. And so there's this thing that I see Paul go through in 2 Corinthians, and it reminds me of this thing I learned a long time ago. It's called the four C's of coaching. Um, and not too long ago, I looked at this passage of scripture, and I loosely applied that formula um, with a little twist to it. Now, listen, what, what I'm about to share with you is a formula that works for me. I totally ripped this off from the four C's of coaching, sort of. This is three C's and an R and a different outcome, so I don't know if I really ripped it off or not, but, but you'll see what I mean. And, and I don't know if this is going to help you in your life circumstances or situations, but, but this is, like, honestly, this works for me. Um, and maybe it will help some of you as well. Here it is. Courage plus clarity plus connection plus reflection helps me overcome. 
Courage plus clarity plus connection plus reflection equals helping me overcome. Now notice, that doesn't say courage plus clarity plus connection plus reflection equals healing. Because healing takes time, right? We, we all understand healing is a process. Like, like if you walk outside today and you fall down and you break your leg, nobody is going to expect you to be better tomorrow. It's going to take time to heal. It's going to take a process, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through each of these concepts using 2 Corinthians chapter 1. First one we'll talk about is courage. And that's important to talk about because it takes courage to admit that we need help. It takes courage to say, hey, I'm crushed and overwhelmed. Now, in order to set this up, um, I've got a question for everybody in the room. How many of you, when you were growing up, you had chores to do around your house? That's every one of us, right? How many of you, leave your hands up if you had one, how many of you, um, through those chores, you got paid an allowance for doing the chores? If you didn't get paid, put your hand down. All right, I got paid. My main chore was to take out the trash. If I took out the trash, I made a dollar every week. Like, I got paid one dollar to take out the trash. The problem was we had the world's smallest trash can in our house. And in fact, our trash bags, some of you might remember these, some of you might not. Um, when you used to go to the grocery store, you used to get paper bags. There was no such thing as plastic. It was paper bags. That was our trash bags. We used paper bags. And so if you threw, there, there were seven people in my house, and so if you threw in like an extra napkin or something, you had to take the trash out immediately. Now, this was in the 80s when you threw away everything. Everything went in the trash can. Garbage disposal? What the heck was that? Nobody even knew. You threw table scraps in there. You threw everything went into the trash can. Well, because I didn't enjoy taking the trash can out two, three, four, five times a day. I didn't enjoy getting yelled at to take the trash out all the time. I learned a trick. I learned that if you just pushed the trash down and, and kept pushing it down and got your foot in there and really just stepped on it, you didn't have to take it out as often. The problem was, as you pushed all of that junk down and it lasted like two days, the kitchen began to stink. And my mom and dad would be like, what's that smell? And I'd be like, I don't smell anything. I think you guys got COVID or something. I don't, I don't know. Like, I would just totally play it off. And I remember my dad coming to me one time and saying, hey, this whole pushing the trash down thing isn't working because it's stinking up the whole house. And I remember him trying to explain to me, you could try to push it down, but the more you push the trash down, you create a bigger problem. The only way to handle this is to take the trash out. Now, apply that to the today to the, the world that we live in, Christian, non-Christian. When we feel like we've got junk in our lives, our tendency is to push it down rather than to bring it out. Because if we push it down, we feel we're safer. We, if we push it down, nobody's going to know about it. If we push it down, we feel like we can handle it longer, but it actually does more damage in our lives in the long run. Watch what the Apostle Paul does. He's writing to this church in Corinth. Um, this is the, the second letter that he writes to them, and he says this in chapter 1, verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the, what's that word say right there? The trouble, the trouble, the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Right here, Paul is telling the church, hey, we went through a tough time. In fact, the word he uses is the word trouble. But Paul 
don't you know? Don't you understand that people who love Jesus don't go through troubles? So obviously, it, it's your fault, Paul. Obviously, there's some problems in your life, Paul. Obviously, you've got some sin in your life. No, 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 no. Paul says, I want you to understand. We went through a season of trouble. And I'm telling you, it takes courage to admit, hey, I feel crushed, I feel overwhelmed, I feel like I'm going through some stuff, I feel like I need some help with some things. In fact, there are three main reasons um, that people won't admit that they're feeling crushed and overwhelmed. You can write these down if you want. The first is pride. Many, 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 many people feel crushed and overwhelmed, but they don't feel like they could talk to anybody about it because it's so easy to hide it, and, and they'll, they'll hide it and hide it and hide it and hide it because of pride. There are people here today, you feel like you've got you've to be the life of the party. You feel like you've got to hold it all together. You feel like you can't admit that there's something going on. And at the end of the day, pride will shackle you and keep you from healing. It, it will. Pride will keep you shackled and keep you from healing. Listen, raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm having some trouble, that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. But pride the second reason people won't admit they need help is shame. Shame. Because in the church world, if you show up with a broken leg, like we'll pray for your broken leg and we'll feel sorry for you. But if you show up with broken emotions or something's broken in your mind, we'll kind of put you off to the side and think of you as weird. And, and so because we don't, as individuals, want to be shamed into silence, because we don't want to be shamed into like, well, you can't volunteer here or you can't do this anymore or you can't do that or you're taking this. for No, you, we, can't do, we don't want to be shamed in that way. And so we'll be silent and we won't talk about it. Which leads to the third reason people won't say anything is fear. Fear. What's, what's going to happen to me if I admit I have a problem? What are they going to think about me? And we've seen what happens to people sometimes because traditionally in a church, once again, churches don't know how to handle people who say, I feel crushed, I feel overwhelmed. We've been guilty of this in our church. Of not, of not understanding and not coming to the right place and not knowing how to help. And so people are like, I don't want to be told I have to do more. I don't, want to have to, I, don't, I don't want to have to be told I have to do this or I can't do that. And so I'll just stay silent. But I'm hoping and praying today that somebody that's going through some stuff will actually have the courage to raise their hand and say, I need help. I want to push the trash down anymore. I want the trash to be taken out. Because listen to me, I say this all the time. The consequences of concealment are far greater than the consequences of confession. And all of us need to understand that. And all of us need to understand that, that God at one point, at one point, he's going to tell us, hey, that's enough. Like you're not going to hide your sin anymore. And he's going to expose it. And, and it's much easier for us as a church and as a church body and as individuals to work together with individuals and to help each other along instead of getting shocked and blindsided by something. Does that make sense? Does, does everybody understand that? Which leads to, after courage, the second thing we talked about is clarity. Courage plus clarity. In other words, being super, 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 super crystal clear about what you're going through, right? You understand that? I think, I think one of the things that we've got to do if we're feeling crushed and overwhelmed is as we're getting ready to, to take out the trash, to be very clear about what's in the trash, about what's going on, right? What's going on in our lives. That's what we see the Apostle Paul do in this next section. He says this, the rest of verse 8 and 9, we were crushed 
and overwhelmed. But wait a minute, Paul. You're a Christian. And if you're walking with Jesus and you're doing the right things and you're having your quiet time and you're journaling and you're listening to Elevation Worship and you've got some podcasts on, then bad things don't happen. Really? Really? One of the the authors of scriptures that he was going through something and, and the people that were with him, him and the people that were with him were crushed and overwhelmed. But Paul, don't you know that God will never give you more than you can handle? Don't you understand that, Paul? Paul didn't understand that. You know why? Because he said, beyond our ability to endure. The whole thing, God will never give you more than you can handle, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Stop saying it. Stop listening to it. Stop buying into it. Because if God never gave you more than you can handle, then where in the world will we ever recognize our need for him in the first place? Paul said, I'm going through something. There's junk in my life. It's hard, and we're crushed, and we're overwhelmed. Well, Paul, don't you know that God is in control? And momentarily, in this moment, Paul's like, "Uh -uh." uh-uh, because look at this. And we thought we would never live through it. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die. So much for bad things never happen to good people. Paul said, we're feeling crushed and overwhelmed, and we didn't think that we could live through. In fact, we expected to die. And for far too long, the church has said, this is your fault. It's all on you, Paul. There's something wrong with you. You aren't where you need to be in your walk with Jesus, because if you were where you needed to be in your walk with Jesus, you would never feel crushed, and you would never feel overwhelmed. And we see that's not true with the apostle Paul, because he felt crushed and overwhelmed. All throughout the scriptures, we see people who feel crushed and overwhelmed. And, and, and it's, not just, it's not just the people in the stories. Jesus himself. Let, let's look at that for a second. Jesus, fully God and fully man, right? We all understand that. We all believe that, right? We're all on the same page of that. On the night that Jesus was about to be arrested, betrayed, and crucified, and we'll, we'll, I'll look at this text a little bit more in detail in a few minutes, but there's one verse that, that just pops out to me um, as I was putting this message together. This is what Jesus says. This is Jesus, all right? This is Jesus saying this, not Ryan. Um, right before he's about to be crucified in Matthew 26, um, verse 38, he says this. This is Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is, what's that word say? Overwhelmed. That's Jesus. My soul is overwhelmed. Well, Jesus, you must not be walking with yourself. Because if Jesus, if you were walking with yourself, you wouldn't be overwhelmed. How in the world can we say that people that know and love Jesus will never get overwhelmed when we have example after example after example of people in the Bible getting overwhelmed? And then we have Jesus, our Savior. Matthew records it. Matthew was there. He heard it. Jesus saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus was very clear. We need to be very clear. Now, when I say clarity, listen, because I've had this experience. Sometimes people that are overwhelmed, you think that you're expressing yourself, but you're not being entirely truthful. You, you, you think you're exposing what's going on, but you're really not talking about what it really is. We'll say things like, well, you know, I'm having a tough time. We all have tough times. Everybody has a tough time. This is different than a tough time. What's going on in your tough time? What's causing the tough time? It's important that you're clear about what the tough time is. Well, I'm going through some issues. We all have issues. 
Every one of us has issues. Everybody experiences issues. What are your issues? Let us know. Tell somebody. Be clear. And, and so we, we'll say stuff like that. We won't be all the way clear. And we get upset because people don't follow up with us. But we can't get upset because we are not being clear. Instead of, instead of, hide, instead of telling the truth, we hide the truth. Instead of saying, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed because my anxiety is crushing me today. I'm feeling overwhelmed because my depression is absolutely killing me today. I'm dealing with worry. I'm dealing with fear. I am overwhelmed because of this. Being as clear as possible, don't miss this, being as clear as possible is essential to getting the help that we really need. Being as clear as possible is essential to getting the help we really need. Paul was clear. We're crushed. We're overwhelmed. Jesus was clear. I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Courage plus clarity. The next thing you've got is connection. Courage plus clarity plus connection. The reason I want to bring this up is because when we're going through tough times, our tendency is not connection, it's isolation. Isn't it? Everybody in here knows how important connection is simply because of your cell phone. This happened to me this week. I was talking to somebody, and um, I was going on for like a minute talking about just whatever, and my phone rang, and I looked at it, and it was the person that I was talking to. Has that ever happened to anybody? (laughs) I answered, and they're like, hey, dude, you cut out like a minute ago. I've been talking to nobody for a minute. I walked really important, looked really important walking around the parking lot talking on my cell phone, but I had no connection. All of us know what, it, what it's like to lose connection. You kind of feel dumb. You kind of feel stupid when that happens with your cell phone. Um, but I want you to understand the Apostle Paul throughout this passage. In fact, um, you should go back and look through this passage later on and circle the number of times he says we. He doesn't say I. He says we. In other words, this, there's this connection. And connection is essential if we're going to overcome being overwhelmed. Connection is essential if we're going to overcome being overwhelmed. Look what he says. Um, this is what Paul says next. But as, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves. Listen, I, I want everybody to understand, and, and take it from a guy who has gone through this. You are not that tough. Staying silent is not being tough. It's being weak. If you're dealing with anxiety, depression, worry, l- listen, you're not the only one. You're not. The, the, the biggest lie that the devil tells us is you're the only one. No one will understand. Don't talk to anybody about this. They'll think you're weird. Don't tell anybody what you're struggling with. Don't tell them about the sin issue. They'll cast you out. They'll kick you out. They'll push you with it. They won't understand. You're the only one in the history world who's ever dealt with this. And that is a lie. Because Paul said all of us, we're all dealing with this. And he said, so we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. And I love that he put that there because what he's saying is, hey, by the way, we're allowing God who, who just in case you're not sure what he can accomplish, dude raises the dead. And anybody who raises the dead can pretty much handle anything that we're going through, yes or no? Yes. Now, there are two types of connections, and we see this all throughout Scripture. The first is connection with God. This is typically where if you're dealing with something where you're overwhelmed, the church will give you a list of things you need to do. You need to read your Bible 10 minutes a day. You need to pray 25 minutes a day. You need to journal an hour a day. Memorize four verses of scripture. Jump up, turn around, head, shoulder, knees and toes. Where, where, WWJ, no, 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 no. 
What connects your heart? This is a question I ask all the time, right? What sets your heart on fire for Jesus? What, what connects you to Jesus? What sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Figure that out, and then just do that a lot. For me, I love to read the Bible. And, and listen, that doesn't make me super Christian. That's just how I connect with God. Some people say, well, I don't understand the Bible. I don't either sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. But I feel connected to God when I read it. What, what sets your heart on fire for Jesus? What makes you feel connected to God? Some people, it's listening to worship me, music. Some people like to go on walks and look at trees or nature or whatever. At the end of the day, you have to figure out what connects you and your heart with Jesus. And then just do that. Just, just like five minutes a day. I'll just start somewhere. Because a connection with God on a daily basis is not, not a bad thing. It's essential. It doesn't solve everything. All right, let me say that here too. It doesn't solve everything everything but for me it refocuses my mind on who God is that God is God that God is good that God provides that God protects second thing connection with others connection with God and connection with other people now I'm gonna say this right here and I'm probably gonna get some pushback on this it's okay um, this is this is my controversy statement for the week um, one of the things <laughs> that drives me absolutely crazy is when I say that I'm going through a tough time or I hear um, somebody say they're going through a tough time and I hear somebody else look at them and say well don't you know brother don't you understand sister all you need is Jesus <sighs> stop saying that stop because it's not true it, it, it's really not now now I know that that's blowing some of you up right now you're like oh no 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 pastor all you need is Jesus. But I've also got the shirt that says, all I need is Jesus and coffee. So you don't, even, uh, you don't even stop it there. All you need is Jesus. If you're going through a tough time, you don't need other people. All you need is Jesus. That, that's not true. Let me tell you why. The night that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, once again, fully God and fully man, right? Th this, is where, this is what Matthew writes. Matthew, once again, who was there? All right, Matthew was there. He didn't hear it from a friend who heard it from another friend who heard it from another friend who saw it on, on face snap or whatever, right? He was, he was there. This is what Matthew said about Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, all right, so he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now hold up. If all we need is Jesus, then why wasn't Jesus enough for Jesus? Anybody tracking with me here? If all we need is Jesus, then Jesus should have been like Peter, James, and John. You guys just sit right there. I'm about to be killed, but you know what? It's cool. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to be by myself for a while. I'm going to talk to me about me for a little while, probably sing some songs about me to me, talk to me about me. Everything's going to be okay. We, we call that schizophrenic, right? But Jesus, fully God, fully man, he's about to be crucified. And in that moment, feeling completely crushed and overwhelmed, said, I need other people in my life to help me make it through this. And if Jesus needs, don't miss this, if Jesus needed other people in his deepest point of need, none of us, 
None of us can make it on our own. We've got to have other people who are willing to hang in there with us through our tough times. Every one of us needs to surround ourselves with people who no matter what we're going through, no matter where we've been, no matter what's been done to us, no matter when it happened, we can come out on the other side feeling better because they stood with us and they walked through it with us and they didn't judge us and they didn't condemn it, knowing that together, no matter what the world throws at us, because of Jesus, we can overcome. Not all I need is Jesus, but because of Jesus, I can overcome. Connection to God and connection to others is essential to helping us overcome feeling crushed and overwhelmed. Then the very last part of the formula, courage plus clarity plus connection plus reflection equals helping me overcome. Sometimes when we're feeling completely crushed and completely overwhelmed, we just need to pause, reflect on how good God has been to us. We, we need to reflect and thank him. Remember we talked about this in, in week number two, about thanking God, about being thankful. Now sometimes that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. I will never stand up here and tell you that, that that is easy. But we really do need to stop and reflect on how good God has been to all of us over the course of our lives. That, that's what Paul did. This is how he finishes this out in verse 10. He says, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again and again and again and again and again and again and again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul said, you know what? God has been good. And because God has been good, God will be good. We can trust in him. We can trust in him no matter what we're going through. He's right there with us because he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In fact, he will rescue us. And for me, that, that totally makes sense. Because as I was preparing this message, I sat down and I said, you know what? God has been good to me. And I, and I started running on a list of things that, that God has done in my life. Every good thing I have in my life, everything, every good thing I have in my life is because of God. My wife, my kids, my ministry, my stuff, all the stuff that I don't even need, everything. And listen, I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm saying the same thing that's true for me is true for you. What the enemy has sent after to kill you, you've sustained it. You're still standing. There's still air in your lungs. Listen, you got out of bed this morning. For some of you, that's an accomplishment. God has been good to us, yes? And if God has been that good to us in our past, despite all the crap that we have been through, then we can put our hope that our future can be even better because we serve a God who does immeasurably more than we could ever even ask or imagine, and he does it over and over and over again. So where are you in the formula? Where are you today? Do you need the courage to instead of push the trash down, take it out? Like, listen, like I said, if you showed up to church today with a broken arm, like I said, we, we would feel sorry for you. We would. But, but if something's broken emotionally or something's broken in, in our brain, like this whole idea of mental illness, like that's, that's a real thing. For some people, it's a chemical imbalance. It, it blows my mind the number of people that say, oh, you don't need to take medicine for mental illness. You're a Christian. You just need to pray that away. That's the dumbest thing you could say. The absolute dumbest thing. Because if somebody has a problem, think about this. If somebody has a heart problem or they have high cholesterol, we don't pray that away. We tell them, take what? 
Medicine, because it's supposed to help them. But for some reason, it makes you less of a person to take medicine for mental illness. That's stupid. I'm telling you, if you have to go to a doctor and the doctor tells you you need to be on this for a while, don't let the world stereotype you because they don't understand you. If you need it, take it. If you need it, take it. But in order to get to that place, you've got to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm not going to push the trash down any longer. I'm going to take it out. And when you have the courage to say that, you need to be very, very, very clear and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. My trash can contains depression. I'm struggling with feeling overwhelmed. I'm struggling with having thoughts of ending my own life. I'm, I'm, I'm having a tough time with addiction, being that courageous. Because listen to me, only when you're vulnerable can you be helped. That's it. Only when you're vulnerable can you be helped. I got some issues. Got some issues, but I'll be okay. Uh-uh. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you. Third thing is connection. What do you need to do every day to connect to God? Again, what sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Figure that out. Just do it. Do it a lot. Start at five minutes a day. Connection with God and connection with others. That's difficult. I get that because it's difficult to find people that you can trust. But, but I'm telling you, it works. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know people have hurt you. I know people have lied about you. I know people have turned their backs on you. I get that. But do not give up on people because there are some people out there who will stand with you and will walk with you no matter what you're going through. And, and that's really what I'm hoping that our church can be, just a church that stands with people who are struggling and, and, and instead of pushing them into the fire, will actually walk with them through the fire instead of turning our backs on them finally reflection maybe a great thing for you to do today is just go home cut off your phone for 5 10 15 minutes put it in another room whatever get a get a piece of paper and a pen and just write down all the good things that have happened in your life listen every one of us can find something good i know somebody's gonna be like, i can't find anything shut up you can Every single one of us can find something good. All of these things right here will get you heading in the right direction to helping you overcome being overwhelmed. The thing I know personally about struggling with depression is that there are good days and there are bad days. But I'm telling you, th this right here has helped me have way more good days than bad days. And just remember, Jesus himself, who said in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was overwhelmed, he can totally relate to every single one of us who have had that type of experience of feeling crushed and overwhelmed. And if there's somebody, anybody here today that should be able to say, I'm overwhelmed, it should be him. Because I'm sure the grave was pretty overwhelming, but he overcame. And the Bible says the same spirit that got him out of the grave, the same spirit lives inside every single one of us who are followers of Jesus. And because of that, we can overcome anything the world throws at us. Is it hard? Is it difficult? Absolutely. But if we'll trust in Jesus and we'll understand what he did as our example, then we can overcome as well. Claudia is going to lead us in a song. And um, we're going to stand in a minute and we're all, we're all going to worship together. But I love this song. Songs about overcoming. Um, and there's a part that reminds us of the greatness of God. It says, all authority, every victory 
is yours. And that's, a, that's an incredible reminder to us that all throughout the Bible there are passages that say the battle does not belong to us, the battle belongs to the Lord, and it just proves over and over and over again that victory belongs to Jesus. And in case you don't know, um, at the end of the book, uh, Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, we win too. So, so every victory is his. And this is Savior, worthy of honor and glory, worthy of all of our praise, because you overcame. Jesus, you're awesome in power forever, awesome and great is your name, because you overcame. And I just want to end this message today with us worshiping together and us understanding that, that because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, because of that, because Jesus overcame, so can we, even being crushed and overwhelmed. Let's stand and sing.
by the blood of the Lamb, in the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, in the word of our testimony, everyone you 